Um, you have an outline that's there. I want to invite you to take that out. And um, as we look together at how to prepare for Christmas, um, a lot of things going on in the Heath household, and I am so honored anytime I get a chance to talk um, and share about what's going on maybe in my own life with God, and um, anytime I can be with y'all, um, I, I consider it an honor and a privilege, and appreciate the opportunity to be with y'all, as um, Keith asked me to be here this morning, and I hope y'all had a good turkey day. Did everybody have a good Thanksgiving? Everybody had good, 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 great, great, great. How many fry a turkey? How many fry turkeys? Don't be bashful. That's a proud thing. I fry a turkey. Yes, okay, all five of us fry turkeys. Um, I bought one of those um, ones that you do electric and you shut the lid on it. Oh my gosh. Shut the lid, forget it, and it beeps when it's done. I couldn't believe it. So it's pretty awesome. But anyway, it's great to be with y'all. Take out your outline. Let's look at this together as we look at how we prepare for Christmas this morning, okay? Let's, let's bow our heads together and let's pray. Father, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for the honor and the privilege it is that you've, that you've given me to be with this great church family and to share um, what you've been doing in my own life and um, in the life of my family and all the things that are happening. And as, as I always do, I give everything to you. What we think about everything, we give to you. Um, be with these words and the music and the praising and the worship of your holy name this morning. Speak to us, we pray, as we prepare for this awesome season ahead. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Holy cow, I got to tell y'all, we did something this year we've never done before. I don't know about y'all, and when you plan on getting your house and everything around you ready for the season, for the Christmas season, um, this year we got ready for Christmas in our house and everything. We did it Monday before Thanksgiving. Kelly, Monday morning, said, you know something? I'm looking at the calendar. We're not going to have a chance to be here to do all this stuff. We're going to have to get this stuff done now because by the time you're preaching at Keys Church on Sunday, by the time we get back home and spending time with family today here in Montgomery, then once we leave, we head back north to go home. We're not going to have a chance. Christmas is going to be here. We're not going to have an opportunity at all to get ready. we got to do it today. And the kids went, yeah, this is great. You know, and so I'm going, oh, my gosh. That means i got to go to the basement and start pulling out boxes, pulling out trees, pulling out all this stuff, turn into Clark Griswold, you know what I'm saying, and get all this stuff out. So I pulled all these boxes out. Sarah's helping me. Abby's helping me. We're getting all this stuff ready, and we get ready for, for Christmas that day. And my little boy Noah, six years old, so excited, he goes straight to the movie box, and he pulls out the movie box, and I caught him grabbing as many movies as he could hold, and he was putting them in his chest. And I said, whoa, 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 wait, buddy, wait, buddy, wait, buddy. We can't watch those yet. He said, what do you mean we can't watch these movies yet? Daddy, he said, we're getting ready for Christmas, aren't we? If we're getting, I said, we hadn't even had Thanksgiving yet, buddy. We can't get ready. He said, buddy, look, he said, daddy, look, man, how can you get ready for Christmas and not watch the Christmas movies? Can we please do that, you know? I'm like, no, buddy. So I had to explain all that. It was all good. He's all right. But, but, but how many of y'all get ready this weekend? Do y'all get ready this weekend? See, Thanksgiving wasn't even over with. And yet here we were getting ready before, but here's the great thing about it. We're going to go home today. And when we get home today and we open up our house, it's going to be like a winter wonderland in there. It's going to be like Christmas season. And we walk in there, and it's all done. And I don't have to fool with it, except for the blow-ups in the front yard. I don't, have to, I don't have to fool with anything inside the house. So it's such a great thing. So it brings me today to ask the question, 
How do we prepare ourselves for this season coming up? How do we prepare ourselves for this Christmas season? Now, you know, we as normal folks, we, we use our years, our calendar years go January to December. It goes from January to December, doesn't a whole year. Well, did you know today is actually the start of a new year Christian-wise? Today's start is the first Sunday in the liturgical calendar of the Christian year of the season of Advent, which is the season of preparing for Christmas, the season of preparing our hearts and our minds and our souls. Today is the first day of that, which is why I aptly titled this, How Do We Prepare for This Season Today? The word Advent actually comes from the Latin word Adventus, okay? And during this season, we, we spend time from this Sunday through the next four Sundays of Christmas preparing ourselves for Christmas Day. And next week, Keith is going to start in on a whole Christmas series um, starting Christmas time next Sunday. But today we're looking at how we prepare for it. So I'm asking you, how do you prepare? Okay. Now for me personally, how I'm going to prepare takes me back to a story in the scriptures. It's in the Gospel of John, the fourth chapter, verses 1 through 30. A lot of you will be familiar with this story. But this story has become very real to me in the last two weeks. And I'm using this story as a way for me to prepare my mind and my heart, prepare everything for this season we got coming up. And what I want to do is share this with you, share this story with you, and see if maybe you might not want to use this as a way to prepare your heart and mind as well for what's happening in this wonderful, awesome Christmas season, okay? Let me tell you the story. So Jesus and his disciples are all together here, all right? And they're getting a lot of heat. It's, begin, it's early in his ministry, and they're getting a lot of heat from the religious leaders, from the Pharisees and things, because of what they're saying and what they're doing. So what they decide to do, basically, is they decide to say they're going to, they decide that they're going to move their base of operations from where they are in Judea down to Galilee. But to do that, they've got to go through a country called Samaria, a land called Samaria. Now, if they go through Samaria, it's going to take them about three days to get to Galilee. But instead, um, the disciples are kind of wanting him to go around Samaria. <laughs> they don't want to go through Samaria because Jews and Samaritans, there wasn't a very good relationship between the two peoples. So if the disciples had their way, they're probably saying, Jesus, why don't we go around Samaria to get to Galilee? But Jesus says, no, we're going to go through Samaria. So they go through Samaria. It takes about three days. On the way to Samaria, they come to this town called Sychar. All right. They come to this fork in the road, and in the fork of the road, there's a well there known as Jacob's Well, very famous well, well where you get water. All right. Got a lot of history to this well, very famous well All right, from the Old Testament days. So they sit there and they rest, and up comes this woman to the well to get water, and she's coming in a really strange time of the day. She's not coming in a time of the day when most women come and get water from the well to do their chores and do all the things they do. She's coming at a time when nobody's there but Jesus and his disciples. The woman comes to the well and the disciples say, hey, look, Jesus, we're going to go into the town and get supplies. We'll come back and meet you here. Jesus says, fine, I'll stay here. So Jesus, tired from the journey, sits there at the well and the woman comes up and they strike up a conversation that changes this woman's life. It not only changes this woman's life, it quite possibly changes that town of Sychar's whole heart as well. So Jesus is sitting there, and the lady comes in there, and, and, and she starts to get some water from the well, and Jesus says, may I have a drink? 
And the woman said, you have nothing to drink with. So, and, so, and so she starts to do it. And, 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 um, and Jesus says, you know something? I have water that will never make you thirst again. Living water that will never make you thirst again. And it strikes up a conversation with this woman about this idea of living water. And it blows her mind. And she's trying to understand what's going on. It's from this point in the, in the story that, that this woman's life changes. And from these three things this woman learns, okay, about living water, for me personally, I'm using them to prepare me for this Christmas season. You see, we know what's going to happen in four or five weeks. This woman came to the well not knowing anything that was going to happen. She didn't have a clue. She was getting away from the world. She was getting away from everything to come to this well. And then with a conversation with Jesus, her whole life changed. And it was because of three things going on with this lady, this woman. And there are three things that I'm using for me as a template, okay? And I want to walk this through with you. Three key things here, okay? And see if maybe it might be something you might want to prepare yourself with as well, all right? The first thing I want you to write on your outline okay, is that she learned about herself from this encounter with Jesus. Now look at the slide with me, okay? I have scripture verses with this as well. The verses here are 15 through 19. The woman says to him after, after um, the whole water thing, Sir, give me this living water so I will not be thirsty nor come all the way here to draw. And Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. And the woman answered said, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her back, You're, you have correctly said, I have no husband, for you've had five husbands. And the one whom you are now, that you now have is not your husband. This you have said truly. And the woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. You see, Jesus takes the living water and gets personal with her. And she learns something about herself. Now here's something that, that dawns on me. Anytime we talk about Christianity, anytime we discuss Christianity, anytime we look at Christianity, there are two things that get revealed to us. Two things. The first thing that gets revealed to us is God Himself. God Himself is revealed anytime we start talking about Christianity, talking about the Bible. You start seeing God for who He really is. But the second thing you start to see, and is revealed is yourself. You start to see yourself in light of God. You start to see yourself in light of this perfect, holy God. And, and can I just say to you personally, sometimes that's hard to see. A lot of people, I think what even stops them from this whole concept of, of this relationship with God is the fact that, that seeing God sometimes exposes us, and we don't like to see ourselves. Sometimes we don't like to look in the mirror and see what's looking back. And the very thought of looking at something as holy as God, as perfect, can hold us back from understanding that it's not where we are. It's where God wants to take us. You see? That's so important. And here this, this woman is. God, Jesus says to her, I've got living water. Water that will never let you thirst again. And the woman, and the, and, and the woman is interested and Jesus gets personal with her and says, these are some things in your life that's going on right now. And this, this woman's mind is just completely amazed by the fact that he knows all these things about her.
and that he knows all about her and all the things, you see. Let me, let me illustrate this even a little, little more clearly. When I was in seminary, I took a worship class with Dr. Don Boyd. We were in there. He's such a great guy, and we learned so much about worship and about church and things. Well, the first test came. It was time for the first test. He gave us the test, and we're sitting in the classroom, and, and we kept waiting to take the test. When were we going to take the test? When were we going to take the test? And as soon as about five minutes till the bell was going to ring for the class to be over with, the Professor Don Boyd said, okay, now I want you to take that test. I want you to take it home with you this weekend. And any time you want to do it, I want you to take that test. You can't be around anybody else. You can't open your book. You can't do anything but just sit there and take the test as if you were going to be in this classroom right now and take the test. And we were, you could hear a gasp in the room like, are you kidding me? We're going to take this test anytime we want to during the weekend without a book, without anybody around us, but just like we're sitting right here. We couldn't believe he was doing that. I mean, because you take a test in a room you, to, to prevent everything. You, and finally, somebody just raised their hand. They said, Dr. Boyd, what happens if we cheat? What, what, what stops us from cheating? And Dr. Boyd's whole expression just changed. And he just went, he just looked and he went, Cheat? Cheat? <laughs> my boy, he said. My boy, he said. Christians don't cheat. Christians don't lie, he said. Christians are incapable of lying. You know? He said, oh, he said, he's when the, oh, through the years, he said, graduations and times of reunion on the campus, invariably a, a student will come to me through the years, and I can tell when they're coming, because they had that look on their face when they come up to me and they go, uh, Dr. Boyd, I, I've got something I want to I talk to you about, and they'll pull me over aside, and here will come the confession of the time they cheated in my class to take the tests to earn the A. And then I'll go through the motions of forgiving them and allowing them to feel better, some students 10 years down the road, some students five years, but invariably somebody does that, he said. But he said, he said, folks, he said, the nature of God, our new nature, Christians don't cheat, Christians don't lie. And my buddy and I looked and turned to each other like, when was the last time we told a fib? You know, <laughs> we kind of looked and we were so shocked. I told this, the same story, talking about integrity, to a group of ninth through 12th graders at chapel to illustrate integrity. And you should have seen the look on their faces when I told that Christians don't lie. They were like, they couldn't believe they were like, and their heads were going down, you know, like this, you know, because it was a Christian school and they were all Christians going, wow, I didn't know that. You see, where we stand and what we do versus the nature of God, she learned so much about herself that day, you see. We're not perfect, but God gives us the ability to see us for who we are so we can see who we can be living with him in life. It's a great thing. Okay, look, look, at, the, look at the second thing. Not only did she learn about herself, she also learned about worship. She also learned about worship. Now, let's look at the scripture here. When Jesus talks to her about the living water and points out all the personal things about her life, the woman then says to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. The word perceive means I can see. I know. You, you are. I, 
I see by the way you're acting, you are a prophet. And she says, then, then look how she conveniently changes the subject. You know, our fathers worshiped in this mountain, and you people say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. And Jesus said to her, here's Jesus changing the subject back. Woman, believe me, an hour is coming when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you don't know, but we worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. And then he says this, going back to the subject, but an hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. You see how Jesus starts with living water, which was a symbol of that day of God's spirit, of God basically, and goes to her personally. She changes the subject to, to, to worship and God changes the subject right back to God again, you see. How do you prepare yourselves to worship? What do you do to prepare yourself to worship on a Sunday morning or during the week? You know, I can tell you for me personally, I never really thought about it. You know what I'm going to try this season? I'm going to try to get myself ready every Sunday, mentally, emotionally, physically, to just give my all worship-wise to God. I'm going to do the best I can personally not to get caught up in all the trappings of this season, but instead allow my focus to be on the one that caused it all, which is God himself, which is what Jesus was saying. See, she went to all the mountains. See, the Samaritans and Jew had these arguments going on. They had these feuds going on. One had to do with mountains. The Samaritans thought that, that, that you worshipped on this particular mountain, and the Jews thought you worshipped on this mountain, and they got it all confused with the history and stuff, and there's a big feud about the whole thing. They didn't even accept, the Samaritans didn't even accept any more than the first five books of the Bible as being real authentic texts, whereas the Jews were the whole Old Testament, see? And so you had this big thing going on here between the two peoples. And so that's the first thing she brings up. Is something out here. And God says, it's not about out here. It's about God. i got to tell you, my whole paradigm of worship changed about 15 years ago. Uh, my wife and I, Kelly, we didn't have any children at the time. We went to Seoul, Korea and decided to visit some churches in Seoul, Korea. We went over there and we, we were able to visit the world's largest church. Today, over 200,000 people worship at this church called the Full Gospel Church, the pastor's Dr. Um, De, um, Yonggi Cho's church, okay? Um, I couldn't believe this church. You walk in in these huge hallways that were about as wide as this building, filled with Korean people. And all the folks were in my group, we were like, all the Koreans came up to hear us, and we were like, you could see us all the way down the hallway because were, we were so much taller than they were. And they cordoned us into this sanctuary that seated 21,000 people. And we sat down in it. And all of a sudden, you, I was expecting a certain type of, all of a sudden, the curtains opened up. And there was a rock band that was playing. It had a guy singing spiritual songs, and everybody was just loving it. And I mean, they had drum beats and everything. And then once they did a few songs, they left. And then an then a ensemble came out and sang stuff to a track and was leading people in the worship. And then when they finished, another curtain opened up and this big orchestra was playing. They had strings, they had everything to it. And then another curtain and this big 
choir showed up and started singing. And then they had a soloist come out and sing. And, and then the pastor comes up and said, let's begin with the prayer time. And he bowed his head. And I got ready for this big, intimate, quiet prayer. And no sooner had I bowed my head than the place went wild. People were getting up and moving around and touching everybody and, and praying over them. Some people were quietly over by themselves having quiet prayer. Other people were going over and laying hands. Some people were speaking. I mean, all the different gifts. I mean, it just broke open and all this kind of prayer. And that pastor and Kelly and I were like this. You know, we came from Protestantville in America. We're sitting here going like this, you know. And, and um, they had a huge organ that played with the, pipe, with the pipes up here. They had synthesizers. They had everything. And then about, about it was, I don't know if it was orchestrated. I don't know if it was choreographed. But all of a sudden, it just, the pastor walked right up there, and everything just died down. And everybody went to their seat. And then Pastor Yongi Cho came out, and he started preaching. Can I tell you, I didn't understand a word he was saying. And neither could the interpreter sometimes, because he would say, I think he just said that Jesus' son died for you. You know, <laughs> he would say things like that. And you could tell that when he couldn't understand maybe what was going on, he would just, he would just go back to, I think he was talking about John 3.16 right there. You know what I'm saying? And, and then he would tell a joke, and no one would laugh. And the interpreter would go, that was a joke he just said. Laugh and act like it's funny. You know, we go, ah, ha, ha. It was, you know, he, and it was an English interpreter for us, you know. Powerful service. Powerful service. And it didn't matter because it was just God they were worshiping. Now, we all have our preferences because we were raised in different genres of, of, of Christianity when, when things were prevalent. So there's nothing wrong with that. But if it starts getting in the way of, of who we're worshiping, and why we're worshiping, and what it's all about. For me personally, I'm going I'm, I'm to prepare myself mentally and emotionally this year. I don't want to pick and choose. I just want to worship. I just want him on the throne. And this season, that, that's, when, that's what my emphasis is going to be in this, in, this, in this avenue. You know, in, 60 years ago with Korea, there were 60,000 Christians in Korea, South Korea. Today, there are over 10 million on that small island. And one out of every 10 of those people are involved in that church I'm talking about. It's amazing. And with all their satellites, they, it's amazing. And you know what's amazing? It's not that it's the hottest thing in town. It's been going on forever, since the early 70s. I think it's because of their emphasis on lifting up God. I think it's their genuineness of just lifting him up, you know? How do you prepare for Christmas worship-wise this year? Don't get caught up in all, get caught up in, in what's behind everything. Get caught up in what it all really means, you know? Because that is when we change. That is when all, everything happens. Look at the last thing with me, okay? Look at the last thing. She also learned about sharing, okay? After this happened, after all of this happened, and he explains this whole thing, her entire life has changed. She can't believe it. Look what the scripture says here at the end. At this point, when they finish this whole conversation about worship, the disciples come back and they're amazed. 
that he had been speaking with a woman to begin with. They were amazed at that. They're getting caught up. Going, what are you doing? You know, Jesus broke these barriers down. He didn't care. He knew something intimate about her. She's over here, you know, eating it all up, going, holy cow, look at this stuff. And, and um, they're freaking out because she's talking to a woman and probably a Samaritan woman at that. Um, yet, while they're thinking all these things, no one's actually going up to Jesus. You notice this? Saying, what do you seek? And why are you speaking with her? You know, what, what's that thing in your hand you're drinking water out of? You're not supposed to be doing that with her or whatever, you know? They don't say any of that, but they're thinking it. So here's what the woman does. I love this. Because of what happens, all right, she leaves her water pot. She goes into the city of Sychar, and she says to all the men, which, which parenthetically is everybody, okay? They, they talked in male language, men meaning everybody. Come see a man who told me all the things that I have done. This is not the Christ, is it? And they went out of the city, and all those folks were coming to Jesus as a result of it. Now think about this for a minute. If you're at a well, you have clothes to wash, you have water you need for cooking, you have water you need for all your basic staples of life. What's the one thing that you're going to make sure you bring back with you if you go to a well for water? The water pot, right? Full of water. Yet apparently what happened with this exchange, she decides, I'm leaving the water pot. I don't even, I'm not even thinking about the water pot. I'm going to tell everybody about what happened. And now we know that she apparently was shunned from this community because of her life and things. Yet she didn't care anymore. Here she was doing what she was led to do from this encounter with Jesus. Let me ask you this this morning. How are we in the sharing side of what Jesus has done in our life? How are we in in, in that area of our life? When we see an opportunity to do that, Is it inconvenient for us? Do we feel like it's inconvenient? When we see a need that somebody has, and it's an obvious need, and there's the obvious door that's open for us to fill that need, when there's an obvious chance that God might be using us to walk through that door, to fill that need, to help somebody know what Jesus has done in our own life, Do we feel inconvenienced? Sometimes I have to ask myself that question. You know, in this season we're coming up right now, when you you listen to the media, they're all going to call it this year a Christian's holiday. They're going to try to put it in a box, and they're going to try to say that this is Christianity's holiday that we celebrate. And they're going to throw all these other holiday weeks in with it. And you're going to hear everybody saying happy holidays. And when they say happy holidays to you, it's still, it's, 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 you know what the word holiday means? Holy day. So when someone says happy holidays, they may mean it in a secular way, not to offend you, but you mean it in a holy way. Happy holy days. Because it's a holy time for us. This whole season, the very first part of the Christian liturgical year, sets up the rest of the year. And how we approach it, what we do with it, 
what we think about it, how we view it, how we allow it to affect us can actually set the tone for the entire year of what God has plans to do with us. See? And this season is one of the most busiest seasons where we could feel inconvenienced more than ever before to want to reach out personally. There are group things we do with shoeboxes and, and clothes that we give to folks who need it corporately as a church. But I'm talking about personally. Don't let that fill the need box. I dare us to ask God. I dare us to ask God to reveal something about ourselves this morning. To reveal to us something about our worship this season. And I dare us to ask God, find a need for me to meet in your name. I got to tell you, this deviating off my path, but I got to tell you something happened. Um, had a really good Thanksgiving, and I had family come. And there was one part of this, one, one person in this family that I had, I had never really gotten to know because, because the husband of the family I had never really gotten to know. Um, the wife of the couple is my cousin, very close cousin friend, but he's always working, so I've never saw him. Well, saw him this week for the first time, stayed the whole time with us. And um, his past background is Jewish, see? He's, he's, his past background is Jewish. And he's been going to church for a long time. And we've been talking, we talked about everything. Just got, got, got to know him really well in ways I'd never gotten to know him in, in what, what, 12 years they've been married? And all of a sudden yesterday, or the day before yesterday, the day they were leaving, uh, we had all this stuff planned we were going to do in the afternoon. We were going to go do different things and stuff. And we got home from one of the events, and everyone was just kind of lounging around and hanging out. And he asks me the question, which was the third time he'd asked me the question throughout the day, by the way, in between things. He said, if you could talk with one famous religion, religious person and ask them questions, who would it be? And it was the third time he had asked me that question throughout that morning. And maybe I'm slow. <laughs> maybe I'm just slow on the uptake. Ask my wife. She'll tell you I am. But, you know, she doesn't tell me I am. I'm just kidding. It's <laughs> a bad show. I'm just kidding, baby. Um, my kids will tell you, Dad, I'll explain it to you, but I won't understand it for you. you know, that's what they'll say to me, okay? But my wife doesn't do that. He asked me the third time that, and, and I said, you know, that question's really bugging you. And he said, it is. He said, because I want to know. And from that question, we got into an hour and 15-minute long conversation about what it means to seek God, to understand faith, to seek it out, to answer questions you have, to own your faith. Don't, don't own a faith based on somebody else or something else, but for you to do all the soul searching on your own, to get that Bible out and seek it out and read around it and own the faith you have. And, and I basically said to him, I said, look, I said, this is a question you don't want to try to answer when you've been told you have a terminal illness one day. This is a question you want to look at right now. You have kids? You have a wife? This, the, and he was so open. And man, we were talking back and forth, and he's going, yeah, this is it. 
yeah, this is what I, wow. And then he would bring up something else that was kind of hindering him. And did we pray yesterday for Jesus Christ to become Lord and Savior? No, we didn't do that. But I walked him through a maze, and we, and we were opening windows and doors, and the light bulb was coming on. And, and, and I ended up giving him stuff that, that helped me to, to, for him to read and things that were people, written by people just like he is and how they think for him to explore this next level of faith in his life. I got home that night, and my cousin called me up, all excited. And she said, hey, you know, he said to me, we got off the got off the thing, he got off the plane, he said to me, he said, he said, I'm going to tell you something. He said, um, I have never talked with anybody like your husband before, um, like your cousin before. He said, I, um, he said, he explained things in a way that I have never been able to grasp before, and I can grasp them now. And he said, I'm going to follow through. I'm going to read this book he gave me. I'm going to listen to these podcasts that he gave me to listen to. And he said, because that is a question we need to answer. And, and he, she kind of just left it that way. She said, he, he really enjoyed talking with you. He's probably going to want to talk to you again. And I said, bring it on. You know? And the whole time we were talking, I'd get into it, and I'd look at the clock. Because I knew we had things we were going to do, things we were planning on with the whole family, everyone to do where we were, you know, little activities and things. But what we were talking about was more important. And you know, during that time, not one person or kid or anybody came and interrupted me. I had a kid three feet from me reading a book, and not one time did she come down and go, you know what I'm saying? That's pretty good. Because she's a pretty good kid. All my kids are pretty good kids. But, 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 um, but you see what I'm saying there? Do you, do you see what I'm saying there? Don't be inconvenienced this year. I dare you. Ask God. God, this season, next week Keith's going to be talking about Christmas, We're going into the stories, going into the meaning of it all. Next week, come prepared. What, what's God going to reveal to you? Just like that woman who didn't even know what was going to happen to her comes to the well and has herself revealed. And she's like, wow. How are you going to worship? Prepare yourself mentally, emotionally, physically for this awesome band to lead us in praising God. You know? Don't be inconvenienced. I dare you. Ask God. Who will you allow me just to share what Jesus has done in your life to them? Then we will have prepared ourselves properly for the season. And what a Christian year it'll be in the life of Christ's community. You know? What an opportunity. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for who you are. I thank you, God, for, for all of these um, instances in the Bible of where Jesus would come and, and to people asking questions and to people not even knowing where they are, Jesus would bring them to a point to where it would make them understand what the real meaning of life is all about, what it meant, what was happening, what was going to happen in the history of the world through your son. 
Thank you for this woman. Thank you for her willingness to listen. Thank you for her willingness to not turn away. Thank you for her willingness to not just receive what Jesus was giving her, but also taking it and infecting an entire town with it. What an example for us. This morning, this first day of the Christmas season, as we prepare our homes, as, as this beautiful church is prepared for Christmas already today to start the season off, may the same thing be happening in our hearts, in our minds, in our families, in any of the ways, in any of the things that you might do in our lives this coming season, we're open to. Thank you for the ability to see ourselves, to worship you, and to share you. May this season be like none ever that we've experienced. For we give it to you in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to thank you all for being here on this Sunday after Thanksgiving. Um, a lot of people full turkey. I've been eating turkey for three days. And I'm looking forward to something different here after, um, after church. I really am <laughs> looking forward to it. We were singing about it over and making up songs about it. Um, hey, look, if this service has meant something to you, as it always does, it will mean something to others as well. Would you pray about who you would invite for this? Ne the next, next week is a brand new series that Keith is starting on Christmas. What a great opportunity to invite someone to come with you. I want you all to have a great weekend and a great week. And y'all take care, okay? Good to be with y'all.